Okay, I started. Welcome to the third episode of Once I Was Colonized, where two girls discuss much more than two ideas on social political issues. I'm Indu. And I'm Young Sa, and today we'll be talking about affirmative action. On today's episode, the fall of affirmative action, question mark. <laughs> if there are any topics that you want to hear us discussing, hit us up at One Size Colonized on Instagram or at Once Colonized on Twitter. So today's episode is mostly just going to be me talking about my opinions on affirmative action because I have strong opinions on it. Mm-hmm. And Indu is cool with that, right? Right. <laughs> and I might be playing devil's advocate. Yeah, sure. Okay. But I'm going to be right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So first of all, let's talk about why affirmative action came to be. The easy the short sorry the summary the long story short version is that in the 60s there were a lot of civil rights movements schools were desegregated and now schools had to provide social mobility to black students but also other students of other races so i think it's like becoming a theme in our podcast that it history wants to see it as black versus white and then we sort of like try to butt our way in in the middle yeah Yeah. that's what asian americans do (laughs) yeah so i do think that it is one of the jobs of of a society to create a world where working hard is enough because the reality is that it really isn't and the Mm -hmm. people who need social mobility the most need to work the most and poverty cycle is a thing because for some people working hard just isn't enough for example if you need to work three jobs to support your family barely barely enough to get food and clothes like no wonder you're going to have a disadvantage at academics because not only will you have like less time to study but even for people like not as poor as that like it's about whether you get to afford you know like sat prep test how many times to get do you get to take it you know Mm -hmm. those kind of things but Affirmative action has a lot of flaws. And today we're going to be talking a lot about Asian Americans, Mm -hmm. specifically because of the Harvard case that is going on right now. We're recording this on November 24th, 2018, and the Harvard case is like gone through to the Supreme Court. Hearings are being done, but the ruling isn't out yet. So I actually think that college admission is something that should be at a strictly individual level like we have to take into account what the person has gone through but like in the end we have to recognize that college admissions is about individual students and this isn't the right place to make decisions based on like what would help one's race because you know in the end what college you go to will impact your life as an individual so much more than it will your community if that makes sense but again as i said before society should mm, provide ways for people who are at a disadvantage to you know get more opportunities that they otherwise wouldn't have and yeah colleges should have some form of affirmative action so I love Hassan Minaj and I want him to do our commencement speeches and if he do really well on this podcast, maybe he'll agree to do it. But anyway, he did an episode about the patriot uh 
about affirmative action on the Patreon app, and I recommend it to everybody. I think it's really good. So he does a really good job of talking about how Asians are just being really selfish about the case in general. Mm-hmm. Like they're not really th- seeing this big picture of what will help like us as a society as a bigger community than Asian Americans as a community. Like, yeah, I agree with him that we're being selfish. And he also does a good job talking about how Asian Americans are once again being used as a wedge to divide communities of people of color. And I think he also talks about how like they're being used specifically by yeah. uh, what's his name Bloom mm-hmm. in order to like in order to prevent on like honestly prevent the uh issues that like he realized he could use uh that Asian American student as a tool for him yeah. to institute the policies that didn't work out with the Fisher case. Yeah, and he, he's just trying to help white students he really doesn't care about about asian students and the thing is you know white people hated asians at first too they were like literally lost at being banned all chinese immigrants at one point and chinese immigrants are the ones who got us mandatory not not mandatory but made it mandatory for schools to provide esl education Mm -hmm. english as a second language Fun fact, people think that I should be taking ESL, but guess what? I'm not because I'm good at English. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm privileged, which we will talk about. Um, so anyway, white people hated us too. Until, you know, now Asians are upheld as the epitome of work, what work ethic can get you. And it's pictured as this, you know, very, very standard, like, happy two parents functioning. Like, the mom is like, you gotta study. And the kids study a lot, they play piano, whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so that is the image that us Asian Americans, most, especially East Asians, right? Right. Yeah, we have in the society. And this stands in contrast with other groups of people of color, especially black communities. And it portrays the groups that, you know, aren't faring as well economically as not working hard enough, which... It's like we talked about this in episode one. Mm-hmm. We feel the need to um, press down on other communities to give us a better standing. Mm-hmm. And I think like this isn't just a problem of like Asian Americans being anti-black, but just like white people who are like, hey, black people, look at the Asians. You're working really hard. What are you doing? And this just completely disregards the fact that there were systematic barriers placed in front of black people following centuries of slavery, which itself was a huge barrier, and also the fact that a good amount of Asians that come to America are already pretty affluent. Right. Like, it holds uh, African Americans and Asian Americans to the same standard when that standard shouldn't exist in the first place. Mm -hmm. And it, and, like, it hurts, it hurts Asian American activism in and of itself because Mm -hmm. Asians are more able to conform to like a white society than our black people Mm -hmm. because of their economic advantage yeah so those are two things that i think hassan minaj did a good job talking about but there's one thing that he failed to take into account and it's a pretty big thing Mm -hmm. so he he fails to talk about the fact that the model minority myth is also hurtful to asian american communities so there's like multiple levels of how it hurts. Like first of all, there's just microaggressions, but that's I feel like yeah yeah he did like he talks about microaggressions like a lot of the time on his mm. show itself mm-hmm. right yeah. yeah yeah 
because that's just part of being asian american is like living your everyday life and having to deal with people saying like oh you're asian why aren't you good at math oh you're asian so obviously you're getting into a good school yeah like you're asian so you must have a good family life or anything like a stable family life like Mm -hmm. all of those things are inherent to being asian in the eyes of a lot of people Mm -hmm. yeah so the stress on first generation kids is just immense and that's not a directly related issue to affirmative action, mm-hmm. but non- nonetheless, nonetheless <laughs> an issue. <laughs> because, you know, like, this is a very serious mental health concern. On the other hand, the model minority myth also really does delegitimize the hard work of many Asian immigrants. Like, not... This is outside the context of, like, Asians versus Black people, but literally, like, a lot of... Asian immigrants in the 80s, 90s were very poor. Like, for example, Koreans, like myself, are doing way better now than they did in the 80s in LA, Mm -hmm. where they all ran, like, laundry services, and they all have, like, convenience stores in New York. Well, actually, they they still do in New York. But anyway, like, okay, I'm not trying to look down on people who run laundry services or have convenience stores, because that's amazing. You guys are very needed in our society. But the thing is, like, what I'm trying to say is that this isn't the privileged image of Asians that are frequently painted. And the model minority myth, like, really ignores the hard work that many Asian immigrants have to put in to, you know, like, get themselves a living. That work yeah, like, they can't speak the language, like, they're trying to work, and they have to work really hard. And the Asian American uh, model minority myth is like, oh, you're Asian, you're successful. That just, like, fails to take into account all of them and like even in school like somebody might have worked really hard and there's just like of course you're asian of course you did well kind of thing that just like attributes all of an individual's hard work into being asian Mm -hmm. but the real problem about um affirmative action and the model minority myth is that the model minority myth disregards the diversity within asian communities and that's concerning because there is a huge disparity in the model minority stereotype and the economic state of many, many Asian Americans. So I am very privileged, as I said before, like I knew English before I moved here. And that in itself was so much of an advantage. And my dad is a professor. My mom has a bachelor's degree and she worked until she was pregnant with me. She like chose to not work. So I am coming from a very privileged background my parents are willing to pay for like whatever educational opportunity i want ever in the future and yeah i just like recognize my privilege and the older i get the more i realize it because when i was younger my dad would always be like oh you'll never what it feel you'll never know what it feels like to be poor and you know i'd feel bad but he would say so much that i'd be like okay i get it i get that i'll never know it but also like I was so privileged that I hung out with people who were almost always richer than me so I felt like I wasn't as privileged as I was and it's only recently that I'm learning how much I've been given and how privileged I am Mm -hmm. yeah so based on data from 2006 to 2008 that's compiled in 2011 29.3% of Koreans in America did not have a college degree so about 70% do have a college degree and we all know how far 
college degree can get you and the difference between having a high school diploma and a college degree and like a work setting like what work you Selling, can do yeah. yeah like promotions so that 29.3 percent stands in contrast to the 65.8 percent of cambodians 65.5 percent of laotians and i don't know how to say this i think it looks like hmong but i feel like it's probably not pronounced that way Mm-hmm. But 63.2% of that specific ethnic group. So, look. and Sorry. We're going to cut this part out while I look at the numbers. On the other hand, I also found some labor force characteristics of Asian Americans. So, for... It, it says Asian Indians, so I'm assuming it means, you know, like... Asians Indi- and South... Asian. No, it hey. it's like it breaks down Asian Americans and it says like yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Japanese yeah, yeah. Asian Indian. I don't know, like Indians are Asian. Anyway, <laughs> so uh this doesn't give exact numbers but a bar graph and I'm gonna like try to guess the numbers. About I don't know, sixty-eight percent of Indians in America work in management and professional jobs. About uh fifty-three percent of Chinese Americans, forty-two percent of Filipino Americans. 55% of Japanese Americans, so on. On the other hand, the service occupations, like, for Indian Americans, it's less than 10%. For Korean Americans, it's about 12%. For Vietnamese Americans, it's at, like, 32%. So we already see a very big disparity here. And the median net worth among Asian groups in LA in 2014, the Japanese Americans... Yeah, I, I don't know if this is, like, people who grew up here or, like, people working there because there's got to be a difference. But anyway, it's just Japanese people have a median net worth of $592,000, whereas Koreans had a $23,400, which is surprising because there's so many Koreans in LA. But uh, uh, Vietnamese people had $61,500 of net worth median in LA in 2014, and okay, this is probably the most important statistic here. The percent of Asian children and families with incomes below the poverty level in 2014, the the average in the country was uh, around 12%. I'd say in New York, it was almost 20%. Virginia, which had relatively low poverty levels of Asian American children, was about 6%. So what I'm trying to say here is these are not the lives that the model minority stereotype be- leads us to believe that Asian Americans are living. Mm-hmm. Like, we think that Asian Americans are all lawyers and doctors, you know? And to, like, lump all of us in the same group doesn't make sense. Right. Because already there's a diversity among... um subsections of asian american groups Mm -hmm. that have to be treated differently but also in general like just because they're asian doesn't mean that they come from a background similar as mine like i would say that my background is pretty stereotypical right like i want to be a lawyer not because my mom told me to but because i want to Mm -hmm. but still like if an asian american kid who grew up in poverty and whose parents or not in the professional labor force like mine because they couldn't go to college. If this kid is assumed to have had a privileged, supported background like me, the system has failed that kid because 
these are the people who need help with social mobility, but because she's Asian, we're just going to assume that she didn't have any significant hardships up to, her, up to the point of college admissions. And the thing is, if you dock personality points from me because I'm Asian, like, this is what the Harvard case is about, about yeah. yeah. Like, I'm not going to like it because I think I have plenty of personality. I'm making a podcast. Like, I think that's unfair. <laughs> but the thing is, affirmative action isn't about privileged people like me. And that's, like, frustrating with people backing the lawsuit. I think this is sort of what, what Hassan Minaj talks about when he, like, bashes the Indian uncles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's... It's like not about privileged people like us. It's about people who need social mobility. And again, the system has a problem because it's not helping some people who need an extra boost and deserve one. Like these are the people that affirmative action was designed for. And if you're looking at them and docking personality points because they're Asian, instead of, I don't know, like giving them extra points, for all the financial hardships that they have to face in their lives. Like, that is not fair. Mm-hmm. And I have a few things to say about yeah. that. So, like, uh, with the Harvard case, um, yeah. like, even if you did want to solve the problems of, like, how individual assessors from the, like, Harvard com- like board or whatever it is mm-hmm. that evaluate students, then obviously there needs to be a revamp in the way that Mm -hmm. you're evaluating students and the people that are part of that committee that are evaluating the students because it like it is empirically true that those that like Asian Americans were lesser ranked than white Americans but this isn't a problem of like racial discrimination so much as it is that uh white people were privileged over Asians for the same position yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then also um uh like when i first heard about the harvard case which was before hassan minaj uh uh like i was uh and referring back to the statistics that gangsta was talking about like the disparity between like indian americans and asian americans and east asian Mm -hmm. americans in terms of management positions is especially interesting to me because a lot of people tend to lump indian americans and asian and east asian americans into the same group like they're southeast asian yeah like even the word Asian itself is yeah. so broad and so overgeneralized. Yeah. And it makes me really mad sometimes because there are specific cultural differences between mm-hmm. us that Definitely. make us really different. And that's why I think a lot of times uh, like you see more leadership positions taken by Indian Americans as compared to like other uh, Asian groups. Like mm-hmm. I think that um, like we don't have uh, institutions like confucianism where like yeah like Nyangsa will go on about this she can go on about this for a long time but like uh there are different values that are emphasized between in our own social groups that enable uh some of us to move forward and some of us to be held back so those should be considered as like obvious like what Nyangsa started this podcast off this episode off with where like affirmative action is um, supposed to provide a more individualized approach that's the only way for us to have a system in which everyone's like equally treated Mm -hmm. you need to look at 
one person's specific situation and the way that that's influenced them and how mm-hmm. that person will contribute to to a college specifically and if that means that there's a board going through like every single student that is uh that goes up for an interview with whatever college it is then that's what it takes but it shouldn't be at the cost of a person's future economic and social mobility yeah speaking of confucianism i'm not going to talk too much about it but confucianism can be very frustrating in many ways it's like what what i hate is we talk about like feminism and stuff like my sister just told me a few hours ago that korea has the biggest gender wage gap out of the oecd countries but the thing is like old men tell us that like hey be thankful that you weren't born a hundred years ago like at least you're doing better and i'm like that doesn't mean that we have to stop also on a different note oh my god let's talk about hasan minaj for a second like he is like take okay i just want everybody to know that i love barbara kruger before hasan minaj mentioned him even mentioned her even though i love him he's not the reason i love her and also like dude i i wrote down like so many podcast ideas like i had like sustainable energy like sustainability and then like hasan minaj goes ahead and this oil and affirmative action i wrote it down before he did it and he yeah, goes ahead and yeah so i just wanted to say that yeah yeah i I just wanted to say say that (laughs) hassan you have to make up for it by doing our commencement speeches Uh. (laughs) back to affirmative action so again i still think that we as a society needs to help with social mobility and affirmative action is needed but in a different form do you agree yes okay cool so I think that in the end, social mobility is like more of an economic issue than a racial issue. Like it coincided a lot, mm-hmm. especially, you know, like 50 years ago, it coincided more, I would think. But anyway, um, it coincides because racial minorities have been kept from advancing in the economy for such a long time. But at the core, at the heart, it's an economic issue. And somebody, I was saying this to somebody and somebody was like, that's what Marx said. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm not going for a Marxist approach here. That's just what I think. So, okay, affirmative action school from the beginning was to allow for social mobility. And I think that the reparations, quote unquote reparations, should be made on the basis of how much money you have, not your race. Because how much money you have will affect the quality of, of your education you get before college much more than your race. Right? Uh, I have a question about this. Yeah. So, did you just like is there are there any precedents to this? Like is there a system that's been proposed or is it just like your brainchild? Uh I honestly might have heard something like I I think this part is my brainchild. Mm-hmm. I I will credit my AP Gov teacher for other stuff later. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, uh I actually Okay, so would this system like take into account um like your parents education levels as well because obviously that matters yeah i mean like I, i'm not here like being a committee member devising the new affirmative action but yeah i i think it should um it would be nice if you could take into account like your parents attitude towards your education but also a lot of people would lie 
Yeah, um, I think Hassan mentioned like. Is it Hassan or Hassan? It's Hassan. Okay. Whatever. Uh, uh, like this holistic approach that Harvard has with yeah. every single student. <laughs> so like, if it truly is holistic, then like all of these factors are up for consideration, yeah. and they should be up for consideration. Mm-hmm. We we all know it's not actually holistic as it is today. Right. Yeah. So so um, I want to elaborate a little on how your money will affect your education bef- over your race. Like, as I said before, it's about could you get SAT prep classes? Could you get a laptop to do your Khan Academy practice tests on? By the way, Khan Academy works, so everybody should do it. <laughs> um, it's about how many times you could take the SAT, like... Could you go to private school, participate in extracurriculars? Like, oh my god, I spent like almost a thousand dollars on extracurriculars mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. They're so expensive. Um, because it is like how much was quiz pool? Like two hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, and speech and debate was two hundred fifty, right? Mm-hmm. About and then mock trial was another two hundred fifty. Yeah, that sounds about it. Not a thousand, but that was a lot. Anyway, it's like you know, like kids try to be like well rounded students, like you can't be well-rounded if you have to work two jobs in order to support your parents. Yeah, like, like, you can't learn the violin. You can't play hockey or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so help... In, in conclusion, helping with social mobility should be targeted towards people who just have less money and therefore less opportunities, even if they want to study. Also, okay, this is something that's brought up in my freshman gov class. Um, we had a debate about affirmative action, and I I remember, like, one of the arguments for affirmative action, like, we can't abolish it, was like, what about diversity on college campus? I think that's a stupid argument. <laughs> like It shouldn't be diversity for the sake yeah. of having a diverse, like, that's, that sh- just goes to show how, like, token is like how much you subscribe to like tokenism like Mm -hmm. we need 30 asians on our school campus in order to show that we love asian people like (laughs) no provide a school campus where people are happy to go there and maybe you'll have a lot of asian people coming there Mm -hmm. i think something that's very important this is an argument that is actually brought up in the gov debate is like give more money to schools in poor neighborhoods like give more opportunities like before college because you can't just go like hey college we just helped you like that's not how it should work right i don't think and like uh, mm-hmm. yeah yeah so a lot of the arguments brought up by like conservative pundits is that like <laughs> that um you know uh like someone with like not a 4.0 gpa will enter into a school like harvard where like everyone has a 4.0 gpa because of affirmative action and like Yes, okay, that's true. They're probably, like, also the highest achieving person from their own community. Mm -hmm. Not just to say the least, but, yeah. yeah. So, in order to prevent things like that from happening, like, increase uh, taxes on, like, property so that we can fund schools in those poorer neighborhoods. Yeah, I I think that, like, I haven't looked at numbers, but I'm pretty sure that we could, like, even without raising taxes, we could, like, re-attribute, is that the right word? redistribute money yeah sure yeah like like appropriate yeah reappropriate the money in the budget like i think that could definitely make a big difference in education and healthcare and education is so important like it is probably going to be your only ticket out of your social class like 
ever you know yeah education is so important it has to be provided to everybody like in germany i like we'll probably have yeah. another episode on education yeah yeah you yeah. know like i think in america they like split the money to schools at the city level right uh i'm not sure i i think i heard that's the case but i heard that like in germany they split it at a way higher level mm-hmm. so that even like poor neighborhoods within the same i don't know do they have provinces will like ultimately have a similar level of education like quality also yeah. in korea they like switch out the teachers every five years i think oh. that might help oh because oh that makes a lot of, that's really cool yeah i don't know i i, I thought do they not do that in public schools here i don't know yeah for the record like, we, we go to charter schools yeah mr kennedy yeah. worked oh yeah for like 20 years years. yeah yeah everybody education is important we need to give chances to poor people who might otherwise not have opportunities and that is all we have for you today um if you want to talk to us about affirmative action again come to our instagram or twitter um talk to us about it and we will see you next week thank you